Hi, everybody. This is Mel. And this is Jill. And this is Mel and Jill Geek Out. Hey, Jill. Hi, Mel. How's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. Are you surviving this cold that we are having? This is being recorded when it's like the frozen tundra outside. Yes. It's not cold that cold yet. It's coming for me. It's going to be tomorrow. So, yeah. It's, it, um, I don't know if it broke 30 degrees today. Ugh. We were in the upper 50s. So I feel like that's almost tolerable for like cold. Yes, it was. But tomorrow is going to be frigid. I want to say it'll be 30s, especially when I leave. And if I manage to wake up in time to go to the gym, it'll probably be in the 20s because I think that's what they're predicting. Just wear so many layers. Yeah, exactly. The only issue is that. I get to the gym because it's a 24-7 and you got a key access is it's so warm inside it fogs up and you can't it covers the 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 little ski sca- fob scanner I can't talk this evening so sometimes yeah. sometimes you just gotta wait for a second until someone sees you and lets you in oh the joys of winter yeah but to be fair i live in florida so it does not get this cold very often so like i'm counting my blessings my Mm -hmm. my in-laws we were speaking with them this past weekend and they asked me if it had ever snowed here and i said well as far as i can remember now i there was a good chunk of time i did not live here in my hometown but the last time I remember it snowing was 30 years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. And it melted before it hit the ground. And I'm in not North Florida. I am in Northwest Florida. So like basically lower Alabama. <laughs> so, But yeah, fair. That's that's the last time. And I was literally five years old. So. Yeah, I, um, Central Texas has a tendency to just freeze once a year. So I'm hoping that this is our once a year freeze, even though there has not been knock on wood, any moisture. So there's nothing actually like frozen. That's good. There's no like frost on the ground. It's just very overcast and very frigidly cold outside. So there's definitely frost on my roof when I leave in the morning. Mm-hmm. So there, there's moisture mm-hmm. there, like all the time. Like there's moisture a lot of the time there's in Texas. But it was hopefully the, it the was, Texas power grid stays up this year. So again, knock on wood, we've not even had like a blip. Everything's been fine. That's good. That's good. I'm glad for you. So I don't know about everybody else. Everybody I know is fine. So. Yeah, it's... Um, I don't know. Okay. No, we should, like, move off of weather. I don't know why. <laughs> weather is not exciting. I do have some things I would like to chat with you about before we dive into part five of the book. Okay, let's hear it. 
have you seen the two big January book talk controversies? No. So first, we're going to start with the one that's less related to the subject matter that we were going to dive into for better transitions. So the first one is there was this woman, and I'm not trying to call her out. I'm not going to say her handle or anything like that. But she posted this video very passionately in a not great way talking about how she just wants to read and she is not going to try and like diversify her reading. She's just not going to go and seek out authors of any kind of diversity at all. She's like, I just want to read good stories that are good stories and I don't care who the author is. And obviously book talk was not thrilled with her. take. I'm sure they weren't. I mean, I I kind of see what she's saying when she, oh, I don't agree with her, but like I kind of see what no. where she's coming from, where she's like, I just want to read good stories. But I think everyone wants to read good stories. But I think you and I, we chatted offline a little bit about it and you made a great point, which is exactly how I feel. It's like, well, those types of authors don't get nearly as much attention And you're potentially missing out on amazing stories if you don't intentionally go out and seek it. So you really don't know. Um, I've run across some fantastic ones. So I'm I, I think she's wrong. I think she should expand her palette. Exactly. And how the part of the joy for me in reading is getting to see the world through the eyes of a lived experience that is not my own Mm -hmm. and whether it's through fiction or nonfiction and I'm here for it. I like reading things from diverse authors. I like reading diverse stories. I always want to make sure that like, obviously like not everyone's going to write diversity as well as everyone else. Like if like, for example, in iron flame and, in fourth wing, I very much read Zayden as a person of color. I read him as like South, like like Southeast Asian or really, you know, yeah. I read him like potentially like Middle Eastern, like with the dark skin and the dark hair. Like that's just how I mentally perceive him. Well, regardless of what is written in the book. Wait, no, I'm thinking... Wait, you were talking Iron Flame. I'm thinking Zayden. I don't... Zayden, yeah, Zayden from Iron Flame. No, I'm sorry. In my brain... You're thinking Reese. Yes, I'm mixing them up. I apologize, everybody. It's been You're a long mi- day. She's mixing up her shadow daddies. Good it's God, fine. It, it's no kidding. I, so, to, to be fair, I also read Reese as a darker-skinned individual. And, like... I read the Illyrians as darker skinned individuals and especially like Helian and Theseon, like obviously, um, oh my gosh, uh, Tarquin is described as having fairly dark skin, but I, I just like imagine a, you know, a whole rainbow of (laughs) diversity (laughs) in my books, whether it's really there on page or not. I just kind of assume it's there, I guess. Honestly, like I put little thought into what the characters look like. I guess I'm more into the story. Now, sometimes authors will like repeat details about the way someone looks 
to, you know, and, and that will stick in my brain and, you know, like the Lannisters, I heavily associate Mm -hmm. them with blonde gold because it's just repeated and repeated and repeated, but, and it's an important plot point. Exactly. Now I'll say this, like, honestly, I don't really remember Reese's description, but because he's Faye, I imagine something with shiny skin. I don't I, like I don't even really like put that much thought into it, honestly. Like I just kind of I think it like in my head or like they probably have shiny skin like that, that. That's probably as much thought I've put it into it. I don't know where it came from. No idea. Don't look at me like that. Not a clue. <laughs> what, what, what in the twilight is the shiny skin Maybe fascination with that. the thing? I don't know. It's like Abs- absolutely not. Now. I'll say, okay, Crescent City spoiler in five, four, three, two, one. Uh, The angels, I definitely, and then maybe it's just because, like, I like the show. I think, I can't remember, it's like Angels and Demons is on Amazon and it has David Tennant and Michael Sheehan in it and they're fucking hysterical. Good omens. That's it. That's it. Good omens. Okay, so I like I won't lie, the angels, that's kind of how I picture them. Like, which they're yeah. white men, but like I don't know, maybe that's because these other seeds are planted in my brain. Mhm. I think that's totally fair, um especially like when it comes to like the angels, seraphims. There's a lot of iconography about them being white people. If you look <laughs> What's really funny is if you ever read what it actually says in the Bible about what like the angels look like, they're horrifying right, they're monsters. They're supposed to be like super fucking scary. Yes, they're not supposed to be like attractive white men like, with that's curly usually hair. Usually, the first thing they say is like, <laughs> "Do not be afraid." So clearly, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess they're a little scary looking. <laughs> Yeah, they're terrifying. Anyway, so that was one thing. Obviously, I'm a big proponent of diversity in reading. Same. And like I under everyone is entitled to their own opinion and to read whatever they want. But you you also don't get to just spout ignorant things on the internet because you will have a lot of people get mad at you on the internet. Just saying. Just a little bit. So moving on to the next little trivia piece um apparently the entire thing of crescent city three a house of flame and shadow somehow got leaked on the internet i saw that and i i'm desperate to not spoil it for myself i texted my friend who she hasn't even started the series but i did give her a warning i was like hey just so you know crescent city got spoiled online um, be careful. Be careful. If you're gonna, yeah, if you're gonna read the, I know she's gonna read Akatar, and so I just assume she'll like move into the rest of the series. But so I was like, mm-hmm. just be careful. But I somehow managed to only spoil one detail out of the whole Akatar series. I have no idea how I pulled that off. But, um, and I don't even remember what it was. It was so minute. Um, But I hope I don't miss it. Now, you and I also spoke about this off 
line. And there was someone who found the book at Kroger. Now, I was at Barnes and Nobles this past weekend. And as I was walking out, there was a whole table of SJM books. And I, I commented to my eldest. I was like, this is... This is what I'm in the process of working my way through. And she like looked at me like I was bananas. But um, I looked down and I could have I did a double take because I was like, wait, is that the new book? Now, I genuinely can't remember. There was I, and I, I'm terrible with the titles of Crescent City. I don't know why. They're too complicated for me. But she, um, so there was the first book, which most of the pictures I've seen, she's a little bit red, but it's got like a white book with like gold background, right? So there's red accent, but it's not like red, red. Then there's the blue dude, Sky and Breath, I think. And then... Correct. Flame and Shadow is the third one. Now, I did a double take because it was very red. So I was like, wait a minute, is that the book? And now I do remember a sticker that says Barnes and Noble Special Edition. But I thought I checked next to the first book and I was like, oh, this just must be a special edition. But we've since talked about it and I'm like, questioning it now i'm really questioning it because it's been leaked on other places so i may be stopping by barnes and noble after work tomorrow to to see if it's if if that's the book because if that's the book it's coming home with me tomorrow i'm i'm doubtful i really am but i don't know it could be it could be it it could be um, this is unrelated to the wider world, but I did not realize this. So I pre-ordered uh, House of Flame and Shadow months and like as soon as pre-orders opened, I pre-ordered it on Amazon because I'm like, I'm not dealing with all this bullshit. Like Amazon will bring it right to my door. I don't really care about like the different copies. I don't care. I just want to get the book. I can read the other bonus chapters online later. I moved. Mm -hmm. You cannot change the delivery address on a pre-ordered book on Amazon. Oh, no. So I had no choice but to cancel my original pre-order, and now I don't know when I'm going to get the book. Fortunately... Or unfortunately for my poor husband, John, he doesn't work on Tuesdays. <laughs> Are you going to go make him check and see? I'm going to make him go. I was like, I don't care if you go to Barnes and Noble. I don't care if you go to Target. I don't care if you go to Walmart. I don't care where you go. Go be at the like store at opening because there's not going to be very many books on the shelves. Go in and get me a copy of this book. I hope he finds it. If if the book is there when I stop by tomorrow, I will pick it up and I will ship it to you. But thank you. Because, like, I can't not freaking read this book. Mm-hmm. And, like, I have read everything else in physical copy. I, I love physical copies of books. 
Like, don't get me wrong. I literally read something on my Kindle like yesterday. Like I read on many different formats, but like I, I imagine reading this book in physical copy. (laughs) I feel you. I do enjoy physical copies. I love pretty physical copies. However, I have a bit of a problem. I don't have enough space for literally every book I read. Um, so I do not have that problem. I know you have, you're going to have a whole ass library and hopefully eventually you'll add a a ladder and fulfill my dreams. So, um, (laughs) but so here's, here's the problem. I have a lot of Harry Potter books. Um, so I have several versions. I've got the original U S versions, the ones from when I was a kid, as they've come out. So I guess technically that makes them all first editions. I don't know. Not that that's a big deal, but I also went to the UK as a teenager and bought the UK editions. I can't find that jacket print anymore. It's a totally different jacket print. And I'm so upset because I don't have a complete set. And they're also a mix between paperback and hardback. So there's that incomplete one. Then, um, I don't remember the UK counterpart, but Bloomsbury, I think it was published the house colors. So I have a few of those. Um, I'm Hufflepuff. So I've got a couple Hufflepuff and I think I may have a Gryffindor. I don't remember, but, um, so I, but I don't have the full set for that one. I have the big square, large illustrated books, which I have all of them now that are out, which is up to Order of the Phoenix. And then my youngest, my nine-year-old, her complaint about reading the books was that there weren't enough pictures because she reads a lot of manga. I think I said that right. Manga, manga. Um, Mm -hmm. She reads a lot of that. So there's tons of pictures. She likes the comic book style, dork diaries, diary of a wimpy kid pictures. I was browsing through Barnes and Nobles a couple weeks ago and came across a beautiful copy of Harry Potter at Barnes and Nobles. And it is, so not only is it illustrated, but it's a pop-up, I guess, technically you guys, it's fucking stunning. It's stunning. So we bought it this past weekend, which means I now have to buy all of them. So to be fair, I don't think all of those are out. I know. Yes. But the all of that to say, I cannot now add Crescent City to that because I've now committed to Throne of Glass because I asked for and received a very gorgeous hard copy. So there we go. No more room. Sorry. Crescent City didn't make the cut. <laughs> Yeah, and Throne of Glasses. I don't get me wrong. I really like the Crescent City story a lot. I did not have the same problem getting into it as so many other people did. I'm like, whatever. But I would pick Throne of Glass over Crescent City as yeah. well if I had to choose. Yeah. I also did not have as hard of a time getting into Crescent City. However, I do warn people who I, who I've recommended the book, like, Hey, I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but just so you know, it's fantasy. 
set in modern time. So there's like yeah. computers and cell phones and security systems and all sorts of shits and drugs. So, yeah, it's great. I fucking love it because it's so very much starts off like a mystery, which I fucking love. So it was great. <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. But it's why I made you not just so that you could be prepared for Crescent City 3 when it came out. But it's part of the reason why after Assassin's Blade, I was like, okay, before you get too deep into Throne of Glass, read Crescent City. Because I think I'll really like it. Yes. And you did. I did. I did. It was really good. And then now I'm at the conundrum of do I finish Throne of Glass first? Or do I pause in between books and read Crescent City, which... As we all know, I am terrible at keeping straight, so I'm I'm, I'm leaning towards finishing Throne of Glass. The, so if you had made it to Kingdom of Ash already, I would like if you were in Tower of Dawn, I would say absolutely. But you're like a third of the way into Empire of Storm, mm-hmm. so it. <laughs> It really depends on your feelings about Kale, whether you go ahead and take a pause before going into Tower of Dawn, or you push through Tower of Dawn and get through Kingdom of Ash to then read Flame and Shadow. I I don't know. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see when I get there, because... I I have two things to say real quick because I, before I forget, because I will. One, um, oh shit, I don't remember the one about Crescent City specifically, but the other one I do remember. It's so fucking annoying that like SJM and Taylor Swift, even though I love her to death, they're doing this whole like let's release four fucking versions of the same thing. It's such bullshit. I hate it. I hate it. Like if we were in like a great economy, like it's slightly it's a sure. it's annoying, sure, like but can I afford it at that point? Yes. I'm sorry. I'm not buying five different albums of the same one. I'm not doing it. And the same thing with the books. I'm not going to go buy five different versions of the same book just to get the chapters, the bonus chapters, which will eventually all make it online. I agree. I'm not doing it. It's what I, I, that's why I ordered from Amazon. I was like, I'm going to order from the retailer that has none. I don't fucking care. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to play into the bullshit game. If I had a local... I'm just not. If I had a local bookstore, I won't lie. I would order from the local bookstore, but I, I don't I don't know of one. The only bookstores I have around, or at least that I'm aware of, are like the big box, which breaks my heart a little bit because of You've Got Mail and like, you know, Fox Books and yeah. I, I'm not remembering what the service is, but there is like an online store that connects to local bookstores so you can order online through them i love that i would totally do that i'm I'm not thinking of it and then if you're if you're cool with used books i highly recommend a book outlet it's not always gonna have the most recent titles but if you're looking for something you might find it on book outlet i will definitely check there if i'm looking for specific things but like Mm -hmm. i said i only buy limited physical copies so 
yeah, they may not have what I'm looking yeah. for. But it's totally fair. Do you want to go ahead and dive yes. into this episode? Yes. I think it'll be yes. a little bit of a longer episode because we like talked book talk and reading so much before. So bear with us, yeah, guys. We just had way too much mm-hmm. to say today. We had a lot of we had a lot of talk about. So we are going to dive into part three of a court of silver flame. This part is called Valkyrie, and I'm excited. Do you know what's crazy? My friend, who I believe I said on the last episode, said, uh, "Do I have to read Silver Flame?" And I said, "Yes, you absolutely have to read it." She texted me today that she just basically got to part three so i'm like yes so i was like oh god it's perfect timing she doesn't even know it but it's perfect timing because this is we're doing this right now so i freaking i feel like this is when the book gets good yes like it was good but this is when it gets like real good you know how like she's real good. so like last 100 pages is a fucking roller coaster ride a hundred percent. This book, I felt that, first of all, I actually felt that way about the whole book, but really like the gas fucking hit on part three. So a hundred percent. Yeah. And it really didn't, for me, it didn't slow down until the end. I feel like this was one of the ones I stayed up no. like all night reading. Yeah. I think I read this in like three days. The first time I read it, I'm listening to it on the graphic audio right now and I'm loving it i loving it can't work my way up to that just yet so i was very afraid of the graphic audios because i'm like i don't want like kissing noises yeah. i don't want like slurping and none of that's there it's just the dialogue it's just the book it's just it's just the dialogue okay there's like a little bit of like music in the background. I can handle that. Sometimes. Maybe yeah. Maybe I'll give it a whirl. I'll give it a whirl. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It I'm honestly really enjoying it. Cool. Well, let's get into really it. Enjoying okay. It. Okay. So chapter 51 at training. Gwen gives out ribbons and explains that this is a Valkyrie test. Now remember, Gwen is working with Muriel and Muriel is researching the history of the Valkyries. They were a warrior force that died out a long time ago. And she's just kind of looking into the traditions and things like that. So Gwen gets it in her head that they could pass this test. So the test is they have to be able to cut the ribbon in half. And if they are able to do so, then they are considered ready for battle and their training is complete. I loved this so much. It was so heartwarming. And I'm going to, this might be, I'm, we may have passed this point, but I don't remember if we've addressed it, but it's not really a spoiler. So I'm going to say it anyway, if we haven't gotten to it, but we come to find out that Cassian actually fought with them, the Valkyrie, Mm -hmm. which I was like, Oh my God. I love, I loved that detail. It just, because he had such respect for them, it was, I feel like it made it even better to me. Even better. 
Oh, I love Cassian in his like feminist ways so much. I know. Oh my god! Listen, I gave I gave a coworker some like unsolicited dating advice. He started dating a girl, a, a woman, not a girl, um, and she's a pe- like he is so fucking smitten. It's adorable. Mm. This thirty-five-year-old man is smitten, and he's like. I, he was like, we're, we would be that couple where people see us out in public. And he's like, what is she doing with that dude? I don't think he's exaggerating, but I told him I'm, someone at our lunch table was like, oh, you know, be careful. Don't be too eager. And I was like, fuck that. Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? It's like, it is so attractive to know that someone is super fucking into you. I was like, don't listen to that. That's bullshit. Be eager. She'll fucking love it. Be eager, but don't be creepy. Yeah, like, don't, don't be creepy, her. but yes, yeah. Be eager, like be excited. Be eager, excited. Yeah. Yes. So simp for your girl. There you go. Like I don't understand this whole thing where it's like, don't be a simp. Be a fucking simp. If she is it for you, be a fucking simp. Yeah. Like um. Okay. One slightly football related thing because. Mal was like, let's talk football. I was like, I don't know shit about it. Okay. So the, uh, <laughs> I tried guys. I, yeah. I tried other than, other than the Cowboys lost. I mean, I do know how football works. I've watched the game. I understand. I just, it's not like a, a, an interest. So I don't know the details. I know, I know the Cowboys lost. People are sad, but also the chiefs won, but, um, uh, Taylor Swift was wearing a jacket, a custom jacket made by the wife of another NFL player on a different team whose name escapes me. And I am so sorry. It is a last name that has a lot of consonants in it and not a lot of vowels. Yes. So I apologize that I don't have, I don't have this woman's name. However, she's amazingly talented. I like, it's so cute and I'm going to have two points on this and then I swear to God, we'll get back to the book. Um, so one, her husband was absolutely hyping her the fuck up retweeted and was like so-and-so is um i can't remember her name she's so-and-so like custom jacket for taylor swift and it's she does it for other wives as well i mean they're gorgeous so i was so excited to see someone like that super into his wife and super proud of her it was great But last tiny, super quick point, NFL, please, for the love of God, learn from Etsy, learn from this woman, pick some better merchandise. And actually, let's like apply this to all professional teams in general, because it's shit. Female fan apparel is awful. I'll say I take it back. H&M, PacSun has some good Formula One stuff, but everybody else is awful. 100%. 100%. It just makes me think of like Isaac and Allison Cooch. Yes. And how like he, he's a simp for her. Exactly. You know why? Because he knows what he's got. Exactly. So, anyways. Yes. Let's get back to the book. Moving forward. So, after training that day, none of them are able to cut the ribbon, but Nesta does open up to Gwen about what happened to her during and after the war so you know now we have nesta starting to confide 
in these newfound friends she has. And like that is personal experience when you go like when somebody confides in you, that's when like true, honest bonds of friendship begin to form. Definitely. Nothing like that's what happened with you and me. I know. I was gonna say nothing like a good old fashioned trauma dump (laughs) to make really good friends. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So then Nesta has been talking about how much she loves music. And Gwen invites her to a uh, like worship service essentially that the priestesses do and she's like oh there's music there so you might you might like it like don't worry about like the religious part of it just come for the music and then so Nesta does go and she is just astonished by this music and um guess who's singing oh yeah it's Gwen so Gwen is also a beautiful singer. I was so excited. On top of everything else. I was so excited when it was her. And I was like, oh my God, she invited her friend because she wanted her friend to see her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so sweet. And just for those who are curious, yes, this is where the whole singer connection to Azriel starts coming into play. Because like Gwen and Azriel at training do have some interaction, but people make a lot of connection between him being a shadow singer and her actually singing and I don't think that those two things are connected I don't either but you do you I mean I guess I don't really see it but I mean yeah it's they have the word in common but I don't see any other link yeah, people trying to say that like Azrael actually like sings when he's shadow singing, and I'm like, there is no evidence of that. But thanks. So, yeah. Nesta, like it says this in the book. It says the music of the priestesses had lulled her into a trance, that her own bones and the stone of the mountain surrounding her had been her scrying tools, and she drifted to this place. So she kind of like through the power of this music, it's truly like in literally entrancing to Nesta, and Nesta sees where the harp is. Yeah, that like talk about some serious uh, ability to meditate. Yeah, but here's my thing, and I wish there had been more opportunity in the book to explore this. I don't think traditional scrying works well with Nesta's magic. I think how you how she engaged with her magic really mattered in how the outcome was because remember when she tries to scry on her own it usually ends um badly like when she scried entirely independently with like just cassie in there that night she goes into the nightmares and she's engulfed in the silver flames and it's like this big dramatic night when she scries again favor has to go in her mind and pull her out but this time she's able to scry without any of those negative consequences or side effects i didn't think about that that's a good point i mean maybe it is significant i didn't i didn't think about that yeah so her engaging with her magic through a calm state 
of something that she loves brings out a different result. Oh, yeah. That that I see, like, crystal clear. Yeah. But I don't know. I just, I guess I didn't. I wonder why that is, though. Like. There's no answer, so we just have to speculate. Interesting. Interesting. So it gets essentially to filter down to everybody and now everyone aka inner circle vera reese they all know now that the harp is beneath the prison yeah it's in the prison so cassian and nesta set out to go to the prison to get the harp and you know, it is a you have to climb up the mountain, and so it is not an easy feat no. to get into the prison. So Nesta, um, they climb up there, and then they hold hands as they walk down to where she's feeling it. And Cassian, you know, as we remember back before, has put a lot of the creatures and the things and the. The, the prisoners into yeah, it's like their cells. It's like a police officer walking into a jail. So, and everyone there he is who he, he personally yeah. arrested. Yeah, be like, oh yeah, you're the dude. You're the reason I'm in here. So there's this rock that they have to go through, and. You didn't write this, and I am sad because this is one of my absolute favorite lines in the entire book. So Cassian, she they're debating on who's going to go through the rock, and Cassian's like, I'll go through. And she's like, no, I think I'm the one who's supposed to go through to get the heart because I'm supposed to be the one retrieving everything. And Cassian says, I can't risk you to Nesta, meaning... He's very afraid of what's going to be on the other side of this rock. And he's afraid that she might need his help and he won't be able to do it. And he doesn't want to risk Nesta in this moment. For Doesn't matter what it's for. I get it, but like they have no choice. You kind of have to deal with it and do it. Okay, but it's so romantic. Sure. I, I mean, I guess. You don't care. No, I don't. Because I'm very much like, it's so clear they love each other and they just haven't quite come to terms with it. Well, at least Nesta hasn't. But I'm just saying, like, it's cute. It just, like, shows that, oh, they have this deep connection. But, like, is it super important? No. It punched me in the gut when he said that. And here's why. is because... This is a moment where Cassian very specifically comes out and says that she matters more to him than whatever Reese has tasked him to do, whatever his orders may be from his high lord and high lady, that she is the thing that matters the most to him. And him not being... Cassian is willing to risk his own life. He does it over and over and over again. The thing he's not willing to risk is her. And it is just monumental to somebody who, like, has, like, self-worth and self-doubt and doesn't value themselves to hear from another person of, 
you I, I cannot I do not want to risk you in this situation is a powerful thing for someone to say to you I totally see where you're coming from and agree with you I, I it just didn't hit me that way I guess because like like I said I very much felt I know this already you're just but I don't know I don't know. Maybe I'm just misremembering how I felt in it, but I feel like it to me, it wasn't like the biggest connecting point for the two of them, in my opinion. It was a big deal for me. I, fair. Okay. That's I had, totally fair. I, I had emotions. I was in my feels. Oh, <laughs> listen, I was very close to being in my feels this morning when I was listening to my book. I was very concerned someone was going to die. They didn't. They didn't. I I was close to tears because I thought they were. So anyway. They didn't die. And I'm not helping. No, you're not. Because she definitely is <laughs> twisting. Listen, her and my other friend are f- absolutely like, I don't want to say gaslighting, but like scaring me. Red herring. No, well, you're red herring-ish. You you just like to mess with, me. but my my other friend okay. she keeps sending me shit of like people absolutely like hysterical over this series like just bawling, and I'm like oh my god mm-hmm. I don't like why I don't I don't think Kingdom I don't think Empire of Storm is going to get you to the bawling. No, she's state. talking like the whole series like overall they're like oh my god it broke me and I'm like. What? You just don't know yet. I Kingdom of Ash is like a thousand page book. P.S. Welcome to Welcome to the Massiverse. Oh yeah. Um, I cry. Oh, I cry so many times. Yeah, I cry in books all the time. So I expect that. I guess. I guess like. I don't really quite understand what people say or what people mean when they say it broke them. Like, what does that mean? It means this book series rips your soul out of your body, tears it into teeny tiny little pieces and then stomps on it repeatedly. Okay, so I kind of felt that way about Game of Thrones a little bit. The books, not the series. The books. Because I swear to God, left and right, characters I loved were just getting absolutely <laughs> murdered and just destroyed. Yeah. Okay. But is it worse than that? Depends how emotionally invested you are with certain people. Oh, God. You're all scaring me. Okay, let's let let's get back to to chapter what fifty three. Are we back to okay? We we're at the end of yeah. We're in chapter fifty three. Okay. So she goes in, and the harp is there. And while she's in this chamber, she can hear voices in the walls. It's very strange, and it's very odd, and it's just very weird but the harp is there 
And so she's able to touch it. And then she's plunged into this vision of war and chaos. And then the mortal queen, Brian appears to her. And she's trying to get out and she's trying to get out. But Brielle realizes that she's trapped. But then Nesta plays the harp and uses it to escape. Which is great. Except, do you, does everyone need a, a refresher on what the harp can do? Yes. It can open doors. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So... Yeah, some some doors get opened. Maybe some she didn't really want to open. So she gets out, but then Lanthus? I have never figured out how to pronounce I'm pretty this. sure that's how, I'm fairly certain that's how you say it. Wonderful. If I am wrong, feel free to roast me. I don't know how to pronounce 75% of what I say on a daily basis. I have something to comment about this character. Yes. Okay. They notice his cell is open. I don't remember if you finished your thought, but they notice his cell is open. I thought it was so odd that they named this character like specifically. That means so it's coming back later or it's connected to another book or something because there is zero reason to name one of probably the hundreds of creatures or people or whoever that he put in there. Like, and the harp happens to be in the cell next to him. Yeah. Like I was like, Oh, this is definitely coming back. This is, we're going to meet or hear about Lanthus again. I have a feeling Lanthus and Briaxis are connected. Because they're both that weirdly other kind of immortal. Okay. I just have this feeling. I don't have any proof. But so was... I just have this feeling. But so was more. She was that... What do you mean? She was that other kind of immortal before she, like... You mean Amran. Oh, shit. That's what I meant. Thank you. Sorry, guys. <laughs> she has a lot of book characters in her head right I now. I do. They're all swimming together. And I even like sent her a voice note the other day and I was like, am I confusing two people? And she's like, yep, you're confusing two people. So I'm glad yeah. I caught it, though, before I got super confused, because literally as soon as I read that, I was like, this is like tickling a brain string. So it doesn't help that. In Throne of Glass, there's like at least six characters with very similar names. Well, similar names, and then you have wyverns as well, and like similar power magic. And it's like I get it, like it's fantasy, it's common threads, but still, like when you're reading them all together, it is kind of hard to keep it straight. At least, at least for me, I'm sure some people can do it. Like I used to know Game of Thrones characters like the back of my fucking hand, like the book ones as well, and I, I couldn't fucking tell you anymore. <laughs> yeah, because we are never getting the rest of those books. Thanks, never. George he's, R. R. Gonna, he's definitely dying before he finishes it. <laughs> yeah. So obviously a fight ensues, and so Cassian was. When he originally captured Lanthus and put him away in the prison, it was by the hair of his chinny chin chin <laughs> to begin with. Yeah. So it, this is not no, an easy that fight good? that Nesta 
and Cassian, you know, begin to engage with. However, Nesta finally gets to become the Feyre and be good at a fight. Yes. Or at least not entirely useless. I was super excited. Go, Nesta. Um, Cassian's literally, again, willing to do anything to get her out. Mm-hmm. He tells her to run, and she does, but then she stops. And she's like, what if I use the harp to my advantage? And uh, that thought is immediately followed up with uh, a bunch of Autumn Court soldiers charging at her. Yeah. Now's the time to use it. (laughs) Now's the time. Uh, Time is of the essence. So she plucks one string of the harp and it takes her directly to Cassian. Um, And Nesta takes out Atraxia, which she has named her sword that she made with a capital M. I think it's... Unintentionally at the blacksmith. I think it's Ataraxia. Sure. Okay. Again, I can't pronounce it. I know. I'm just, I'm throwing, I think that's it. I think Ataraxia. Ataraxia? Sure. So Lanthus is terrified of this sword and Nestus powers. So she, in, in the process of trying to win this battle, Lanthus sort of shows Nesta this vision where he would become, you know, high king of the lands and she would be his right hand and she's like well fuck that i'm nobody's right hand and like stabs him in the chest yeah. she's like not With today bitch ataraxia which we love um so she then grabs cassian who is not doing great and she plucks the string and they're just transported to the river house um not, not not a great ending to like I feel like this is the best the best analogy I can make is every time the trio tried to get a horcrux in Deathly Hollows for Harry Potter it all 100% of the time went wrong yeah it like it was always it was always something <laughs> 100% of the time, it ended up being a shit show and they were just flying by the seat of their pants. Oh, a thousand percent. They had, like, the worst planning skills, which is saying something because Hermione is super fucking smart and could definitely have done better, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. But, like, there was also things that they just couldn't control. Oh, yeah. A, a, a thousand percent. But, like, you know, there were some very teenage decisions made which makes a lot of sense so considering they're all like 17 18 years old yeah Mm. so reese and Feyre are able to help cassian and nesta tells them everything that happened and she also tells them about what lanthus had showed nesta if she had chosen to be his queen and then as they're patching up Cassian, Reese then asks Nesta to go to the Court of Nightmares and dance with Eris and figure out where his loyalties truly lie through her magically perfect dancing, but like, like yeah. her good dancing skills. And I'm like, 
Really? This was brief. This was an odd. This is the yeah, moment you're just... asking this. <laughs> this is not. This is not the time. This is not the time. Since you're here and like we're working on Cassian, and you're gonna have to like wait a while until he's ready to go back to the House of Wind, I'm just gonna assign you a new task. It's like. The fuck? It's like the manager who's like, hey, I know you already have like a ton on your plate, but I'm just going to pile this big glob of more crap on your plate. Yeah. Like, here's this whole ass other job, too. So. Like. But it's. What? I mean. In the damn To hell. be fair, at least it's something she likes to do. It's not like the worst thing in the world. A hundred percent. So. So, like, she likes to dance. She doesn't really want to dance with Eris, because, like, who does? I'm still convinced he's not as bad as he's being made out to be. I don't think he's evil, but, like, I also think he is, like... He's, like, morally gray. More more morally gray than, like... I think... Reese looks too nice now. We know too much of Reese's motivations and how they're coming from a good place. So, like, he doesn't read as morally gray as he actually is. Yeah. So, we needed a new one. And that new one is called Eris. So, Cassian is healed and they go back to visit her old house. And while they're in there, she finds some of the carvings that her father had done back when they were desolate and there is a rose and she picks that up and she puts it in her pocket and then they leave Aww. Aww. so <laughs> over the last few weeks Nesta has been practicing her dancing with more um, she, so you know it's taking a little bit of her time out of her library work so she leaves and more says you know see you later and she's like, I'm going to pick out a dress for you. And it turns out that Emery is there at the library when Nesta gets there. And with the two of them together, Gwen goes off uh, to get them her winter solstice guests for them. So it's the same book for both of them with the first page labeled chapter 21. And it turned out that the book was about the three of them and their Valkyrie training. So she's documenting what they do to be added into the history of the Valkyries. That made me cry. That made me cry. Yeah. I loved it. I found it. Thank you, Kindle. Um, in case anybody doesn't know this and you have a Kindle, they have this super fun feature like where they can show you commonly, very commonly uh, highlighted things. But you can also search, word search. That's how I found it. Here's the quote. I'm going to give a little bit of context. Gwen's fingers slid into hers, squeezing tight. Nesta looked up to find her holding Emery's free hand as well. Gwen smiled again, her eyes bright. Our stories are worth telling. I cried so hard. So hard. Oh, yeah. When, like, oh, my God. It's stuff like uh, it's that feeling. John could attest to this. Like I, cr- I like set the book on my chest and had to like take a moment because like, <sighs> oh yeah, 
it's that such a good feeling of feeling understood and accepted by somebody who doesn't give a shit about like your bad qualities, bad things you did, the bullshit you've been through. They like you for you. And like they believe in you, they love you. Like there is no better feeling than that. None. And it's honestly just this and it's ah uh, it's just so meaningful like your story your place in this world matters absolutely and uh it's just to me that was like one of the most healing things nesta could have heard oh yeah is that her story mattered and the like who she is her existence in this world mattered well and it's like a double She's hearing it from everybody who she needs to because we she heard it from Cassie and earlier and she's hearing yep. it from her friends and she has mm-hmm. friends outside of her family, outside of the inner circle because she's not in the inner circle. So here's hers. She's this not. is her inner circle. Correct. I love this so much. So that night, Nesta turns to the fire in her room something that is just very triggering and traumatizing to her. And she uses the Valkyrie breathing techniques to overcome that fear and that emotion. And it's just like, it's, I've never been to rehab. I, I have never known anyone who was actively going through addiction, but to me, it's what I imagined my head what that moment of that therapeutic breakthrough would be like. Of like, I'm going to try something different. I've been to a bunch of therapy, a lot, like different doctors and stuff. And I have definitely had times where it's like, okay, I need to practice this skill. I need to practice and put into practice, not practice, but like put into practice this skill of like, not engaging when I'm angry and just taking a break or something like that. Right. But it's really hard to do in the moment. And so when you can do it, it's so nice to be able to look back and like, I did that. I did that. And I feel like this is probably exactly what Nessa's feeling. Oh, a hundred percent. So then it is winter solstice again, and Feyre is also going to be announcing her pregnancy to the world today. And I'm like, well, why? Anyways, I hate the pregnancy trip. I know, we both do. This is stupid. Every time it comes up, I'm like, I literally could care less. Use your magic. Use your magic. It'll be fine. She's not going to. Anyway, so Reese has decided to give Eris one of the daggers that Nesta unintentionally imbued with a little bit of magic. And they go down to the Court of Nightmares, and Elaine goes too. And in that description, she talks about... It's all from Nesta's point of view, and she talks about how out of place Elaine looks in the dark clothing. Oh, that yeah. Elaine doesn't really 
fit in no in the court of nightmares or does she fit in in Valaris and you know the court of dreamers either no. I don't know does she fit in in the night court no that's my question I, okay theory alert this maybe it. maybe it's like an unhinged theory if you don't want to hear it skip ahead spoiler five four three two one okay i think it is a very big possibility that elaine will somehow i'm not totally sure how become the lady of the spring court whether that's like she and tamlin somehow wind up together or tamlin like dies or pieces out and then Farah appoints her lady of the spring court I, I don't know but the the like the gardening the flowers there was something to do with a pond too that I can't remember there's like some el- uh, the pond of starlight yeah so there's a connection I have a theory but you're not deep enough through empire of storm for me to say it yet. Boo. Sorry, everyone. I'm just, I just don't want to spoil anything. No, it's fair. I'm just, I, like, I'm, I'm apologizing you. that I'm not far enough that you, we can share this with everybody else. So I guess you will all have to wait until we get there. So. I, I think, I think I might have it figured out. You think so? I think I do. Okay. Well. I think I fucking do. We shall see. Um, I have no idea when Throne of Glass is going to come out, so it could be a few months, guys, till we hear it, <laughs> just so you know. Okay. All right. So, Nesta and Cassie, or Nessa, excuse me, Nessa and Eris start dancing, and he's a wonderful dancer, and he's a, they're dancing beautifully together, and then Cassian cuts in. Oh yeah, and you don't like that. He's not as graceful as Eris is, but he's holding his own. Yeah. He's like doing well. And Nesta really likes dancing with Cassian. Oh yeah, this was definitely. Oh yeah, I, I bet I would be bet anything that Cassian was practicing. We know he's practicing. He literally confesses to it like three chapters later. Yeah. I wasn't there yet. I forget. It's like a Neville moment. You need a remembral. God, no kidding. I need my medicine to work better. So after dancing with Nesta, Eris goes to Feyre and Reese and wants to marry Nesta. It was a little weird. Like, so out of left field. Like, I didn't... I was like... They've had minimal interaction before now. Like, she's yelled at him. I mean, true, but I feel like Cassian could also sense, like, Eris had a weird interest in her. You know? Mm -hmm. But, I like, it, it seemed... Out of place. Out of pocket. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, why is Eris? Because, like, remember, Eris was supposed to marry more. Yes. So why does Eris want to be connected through marriage to the night court so badly? 
I don't know. Do you have a theory that you are able to share or are you just posing questions? I, 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 because here's my thing. Like, I don't think he needs it for allyship because Favorite and Reese are working with him. Yeah. So do you so like maybe cement it? But like, I don't think he needs it because they're willing to work with him as long as he's like less of a douche than Baron is. So do you think he actually likes Nesta? I think he finds Nesta acceptable for whatever his fucking deal is. And I don't know what his deal is. He has, there's something going on with Eris. There's something more definitely happening there. And I just don't know what it is. Yeah. We don't, because he can't be all bad because like the whole situation between him and more, I feel like we're missing some pretty important details. Definitely. And he saved Lucian. Mm hmm. Why would he save Lucian? There has there has to be there's definitely things that we don't know that have been that have happened or have been happening off page that we just don't know yet. I'm sure we'll learn when those books Agreed. come out. Agreed. So Reese agrees to talk to Nesta about Eris's proposition. So late that night. Cassie and Anesta come to the river house to finish celebrating winter solstice. She apologizes to Elaine for her behavior. And it's this, it's what the solstice for frost and starlight should have been like for all of them. And Cassian gives her a symphonia, which is essentially like a radio, but he had gone to like all of her favorite bars and recorded the music that she liked at these places and the song that she danced to at winter solstice or with Eris. He is so, so she thoughtful. could listen to it. I am like, oh my God, this is like the most thoughtful gift. Yeah. so thoughtful and at first Nesta doesn't want to accept the gift and this is when they have this really raw conversation Mm -hmm. with each other about her not feeling good enough for him and him not feeling good enough for her and he finally just says there will never be anyone else for either of us and it's as close to confessing their feelings for each other as they ever get and um let's just say that the spicy scene that ensues is amazing yeah (laughs) this is the grab onto the headboard scene oh my god this was very much like on book talk like oh chapter 48 chapter 40 or excuse me 58 58 58 58 not 48 58 is the 55 of akabash yeah and i was like jesus christ it's good yeah but there's some very important descriptors in here of like golden threads snapping into place during the sex scene. Sorry, my dog just burst in. 
Her dog is also wearing a sweater. It is adorable. Because it's cold outside. She's short hair. I know. Jasper is like, it doesn't fit him. Um, Wait, what were we talking about? We're talking about the sex scene in chapter 58. Yeah, but what was the last thing you said? I was going to say something, but I can't remember. The incredibly important descriptors of golden threads snapping into place. I feel like that was... That happens during that, that scene. That was the whole, like, mating, mate, mate bond thing. A hundred percent. I was like, oh, they're a hundred percent mates. Yep. And the mating bond just snapped into... Like, that is the mating bond snapping into place. Don't they have to, like, a hundred percent exchange food? Yeah, but, like... So that's the acceptance of the bond, but the bond has to snap into place. Doesn't always happen during sex, but apparently for the two of them, it does. Yeah, seems to happen that way. Yeah. And then um, the next morning, Cassian is awkward AF and pieces out for his annual snowball fight and then goes to inspect the Illyrian legions for like a few days and like just... Avoids Nesta entirely. Boys are dumb. Oh, it's because he 100% knows exactly what happened. And he's like, what the fuck? I don't know how to tell her about this. But, you know, I have to. But I don't know how I can tell her this. But I don't know if I want to tell her this. I don't know if she wants to know about this. I don't know what to do. So what is his solution? He just avoids it entirely. That... That's on par for the course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like the guy reaction. So a couple of days later, Nesta invites Gwen and Emery over to have a sleepover. I loved it. It was like they didn't say it that way, but I was like, that's fucking sleepover. By the way, like <laughs> adult girlfriend sleepovers should so still be a thing. A hundred percent. I did it one time with a friend and I had a ball. It was so much fun. If we lived closer, we could do it whenever you exactly. wanted. Exactly. But you live far away. I know. Rude. <sighs> Rude. Anyways, so they like the house like produces a Pegasus for them, like a little baby Pegasus for them to play with and like gives them all kinds of like yummy food and snacks and they're just having a grand old time. And so then they also make friendship bracelets together. I this solidified for me without needing to Google it that Sarah J. Mass is a Swifty. A thousand percent. Okay. Why else would you put that in there? And then it was confirmed to me later. She is a Swifty. Yes. So then Nesta makes a wish for the three of them with these bracelets in her hands. And she's like, to have the courage to go out into the world when we are ready, but to always be able to find our way back to each other, no matter what. I loved that. I know. This is like to ha- like. Ugh. This reminds me of like. I don't know what the phrase is, but those kinds of friends where. You may not have talked for like six months 
or even a couple of years. But the minute you do, you're it's like zero time has passed. You pick up exactly where you left off. This to me describes so many of my military related friendships. Like that is, mm-hmm. that is just so normal. Like I, I had a friend who I hadn't seen God in probably 10 years and I happened to go to get, go to their city for work and got to surprise her. And it was like, but like, I hadn't talked like every so often, you know, it had been a while since we'd had like a substantial conversation, but like I, zero time had passed, you know? Yeah. I think it's very normal in friendships over a very long period of time where you talk every day to you talk every couple of weeks. So sometimes it's months between talking, but what matter, like it's just the normal natural ebb and flow. Like there was a time when you like, I mean, we talk every day now, but like we didn't talk every single day, but we talked regularly. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just normal. It's just normal. Mm-hmm. So, the next day during uh, training, Gwen is the first of the three to slice through the ribbon, and she does it perfectly. Yay! And then she takes the rib- the piece of ribbon and she ties it around her head like a little f- forehead headband situation. Yeah. And the other Emery and Nesta quickly follow, and they are now officially. Valkyries. I love it. And it becomes this tradition for their new Valkyrie crew that when they slice through the ribbon, they take the remnant and they tie it around their head. And I fucking love it. I do too. I love it. I'm here for it. I saw a TikTok of a girl who's like, where are my riding leathers? Where's my workout gear? Like, I was like, yes, I would so buy that shit. Are you kidding me? Yes. Yes. Like, I started working with the trainer. He's like, what do you, what do you want to get out of this? I was like, I want to look like Gal Gadot in Wonder Woman. I don't need to be like super muscular, but I want to be able to kick some butt, kick some ass, Mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like that's exactly where these ladies are. I want to be a Valkyrie. A hundred percent. Be a Valkyrie. So after practice, though, Cassian just deuces out without a word. Like, why is he acting weird? I mean, I know why he's acting weird, but (laughs) it's fucking weird. So the next day, there's a whole, like, obstacle course set up. And, you know, they have three and a half hours to get through this this, uh, course. And so they're... It's the, the newest challenge for our Valkyries. They, uh, so, uh, you know, as a Cassian, our change in the course every day, it, it's definitely like a challenge. Yes. And it takes them a couple of months, but Emery, Gwen, and Nesta are able to defeat this obstacle course. They crush it. And then Azrael announces after they've, you know, completed it, it is actually the qualifier for the blood rite for the Illyrians. I feel like this surprised me when I read it. I can't really remember, but I want to say I was surprised, but then also not because of course they were pushing them to do something, you know? Well, hundred percent. They're not just going to like randomly throw a challenge out there, but I think it's super 
interesting that their next thing is like they knew that they for the credibility with the Illyrians, especially for like Emery being able to say, well, like I've passed the fucking blood right qualifier. I'm clearly good at what I fucking do. I can clearly kick ass. Do you think maybe they should have kind of given the ladies a heads up here? I so one one of the things that they do they say like hey this was actually the blood right qualifier you can take the blood right if you want to and all of them opt out they're like nope we're Valkyries we're good we don't need to do this Illyrian bullshit I think that's the answer they figured was going to happen I think they they wanted to have them have the notch of the qualifier in their belt but not force they were never going to force them into the blood right they were like if they really wanted to do it they would have set them up for success but they wanted to be able for them to say hey i passed the fucking blood right qualifier clearly i'm a very good warrior i agree i definitely agree with that but we're gonna come back to this here in a few minutes yes okay yes so Despite passing on it, uh, Nesta feels like she has one more thing to overcome as part of her process, and it is to descend the fucking stairs. Not only descend, but come back up. A hundred percent, because that would be 20,000 steps. I like... My legs hurt just thinking about it. I want to say I did that when I went to New York City for a weekend and I wanted to die. I was hurting so badly. So my husband used to work on an aircraft carrier. Mm -hmm. And he, on a regular basis, would do between five and six thousand steps in a day. so much. Like going up and down ladders. I went, oh my God. He was in really good shape. I bet. I bet my knees hurt mm-hmm. just thinking about it, though. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So uh, every step burns her legs, but she keeps trying. And she gets back up and Cassian is there waiting to take her to Starfall. Yay. Although it's like the most romantic night of the year. Okay. I won't lie. After that, like, because let's think about how long that would take. Like, fucking hours. Okay, the last thing I want to do after taking 20,000 steps is go to a fucking dance, okay? Like, very romantic. Not the thing I want to do right now. I want to go get into an ice bath and take a huge-ass ibuprofen and go the fuck to sleep. That's what I want to do. Well... Cassian and Nesta are going to Starfall. So at Starfall, Amrin comes up to Nesta. And they haven't spoken since, like, the Feyre incident. It has been a while. Yeah. And Amrin tells her, she's like, you needed a friend, so you made the house into your friend it sings and answers to you and 
she says that because Nesta wanted a friend, she unintentionally did it to the house. And I am like, thanks for making my favorite character, Nesta, a.k.a. the House of Wind. No kidding. I fucking love the house. It's adorable. Little bossy, little sassy, but very sweet. It was, yeah, I love it. Very Nesta. Yes. I feel like the house is the foil to Nesta through most of this novel Mm -hmm. of like the things that she actually needs and pushing her where she needs to get pushed into engaging with Cassian and Asriel into, you know, inviting her friends over and doing these things like the house is the positive motivation in Nesta to push her to do the things she needs to do. Yes. Agreed. And I love the house. I do. I love the house. I'm not mad. Same. I'm not mad. So they're at Starfall and um, there's a red shooting star. And apparently that is a bad omen. You know what's funny? It was also a bad omen in Game of Thrones. A red shooting star. I wonder if that's like a... It probably is now that I'm saying this out loud. It probably is like a real bad omen that it's based on, isn't it? I don't honestly know, but I'm just going to say you should maybe think about what this red shooting star might be because it might come back up. Oh, I, I just put two and two together. Maybe I very well may have put two and two together. I don't know if you want to spoiler or no. You tell me. Okay. Spoilers in five, four, three, two, one. This is uh, from Crescent City. This is What's Her Face and Kale. No? no. What is it? You'll find oh, out. bullshit. <laughs> You're so mean. <laughs> You're so mean. I can't wait to read a book. That you haven't read. I can't fucking wait. I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to gaslight you so hard. I'm not gaslighting yes, you. you are. I'm not spoiling it for you. Okay. I am telling you that you need to remember this. I need you to store this little kernel of information in the back of your brain because it is going to come back. Okay. Tomato, tomato. But deal. It's not a guess. I'm not telling you you're crazy. No, I know. I but it's like I I love you slash hate you at the same time when you do that bullshit. I like to know if I'm right. It's so frustrating when you don't tell me. Did I did I not just tell you if you were right or wrong about what you thought you put together and I very clearly stated that you were not correct. That's fair. <laughs> I don't like that. But you didn't even give me a hint as to what it is. Do I, have I read it or are you like, am I supposed to? You have not read it yet. Okay, well then that's not fair. <laughs> if you knew I didn't read it, why did you let me spout out an absolutely wrong theory? Because maybe you had figured it out. You are very good at figuring things out is, long before you should. This is true. I'll give you that one. I may not like know exactly why something is important, but I can usually pick up on something that is important. And then once I f- I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. there it is. 
this particular thing is very important. Got it. Got it. Noted. Okay. I guess end of spoilers. Noted. End of spoilers. Okay. So um, this freaks Reese the fuck out <laughs> because Feyre is like two months from giving birth. Or or you could just not I freak out. I was going to say, I thought this was such an overreaction. He is so paranoid. Like, I have never given birth to a child. I, I don't really have context for this. But, like, if John became this, per- like, overprotective of me, I would kick him out of my house. Ditto. Like, I've been pregnant. I, I didn't experience that, but I would be so fucking annoyed. I would not be able to stand it. Like, absolutely not. Like, get the fuck out of here. You're nervous, and you're making me nervous way worse. Like, sh- he doesn't have to push a bowling ball out of his body. Exactly. So, like- exactly. Like, until you have to do that, like... I don't want to hear it. Go like, I'm not saying don't have those feelings by all means, but maybe keep them to yourself and don't say them to your pregnant wife. Say them to somebody else if you want to, but not the pregnant wife. No, no. So Cassie and Anesta are talking and he says like, Hey, I know you guys, you know, are just going to be Valkyries and that's great. But the blood right is actually like a couple of days away and, you know, just kind of giving her a little life update. So the next day, Nesta and Cassie and actually go to meet with Eris in the spring court. And he tells them that his father has gone to meet with Bray Allen on the continent. And, um, Nesta does in fact read Eris for filth <laughs> for just being a douche canoe. Because he kind of is. He's kind of just a jerk to Cassie and for no reason. And then she politely, not so politely, declines his marriage offer. I f- She's like, no. I feel like could have handled that a smidge better. Like. Oh, I feel like Eris needed to be put in his place a little bit. Especially when it came to Cassian. Yeah. Like, he needs to no, stop being I, a dick to Cassian. That bit is fair. But I don't think Nesta had to be ugly about the, uh engagement he didn't do anything wrong by asking a question like you don't have to say yes don't be ugly though no so they cassie and anesta go for a little walk uh down by the sidra by the by the river and they have a conversation about mates and we've learned through cass or through reese that it is possible for a female to reject the mating bond. So Cassian really wants Nesta to admit that they are mates and she is not going to. Nope. I think we've forgotten through the like gajillions of pages of this book that we've read that Nesta can be stubborn as a fucking donkey. Oh. If she wants to be. Yeah. No, she's definitely... Oh man, I I can't. I'm trying to think of another word for stubborn, but like, just ain't fucking moving. Stone. No, she is an immovable force mm-hmm. when she wants to be. And Cassian gets frustrated, and he says some not nice things. Shit, he does not mean. And 
she then calls in his favor because remember way back at the beginning they made this bargain he owes her a favor to take her back to the house of wind for the night and to not speak to her until she comes and talks to him or until one week has passed i don't entirely love this but i understand where nesta is coming from Mm -hmm. she needed space from what cassian said because i don't think she had fully understood that they were in fact mates and that is something like coming from a human that she doesn't totally understand what that actually means and she needed time to process yeah I think though I think it would have been unreasonable for her to say like until I come to you open ended I think the fact that she Mm -hmm. put a deadline on it I think a couples therapist would probably like put the seal of approval on maybe a bit long like timeline wise but like again huge deal so maybe not yeah i i don't love how she handled this but yeah I hate it wasn't it. the worst way she's behaved before yeah so she kind of calls in her friend her girlfriends yeah. as one does in a moment like this and they actually end up going to emery's house to hang out and spend some time together and you know help nesta start processing it and by the time they go to sleep that night nesta's pretty much in a place where like she's starting to like but we remember that favor also needed like a week away from reese mm-hmm. where she painted the inside of the cabin yep. um to deal with they've, the thought process around the whole mating situation they've been through a lot both of them like they have yeah they have they need some time they need some time so they go to sleep and all we get is this description that she smells a male scent in the room but it wasn't anyone she knew and then something cold pressed to nesta's face and meanwhile uh cassian has gone off to his buddies and they did the boy thing which is they figured out the loophole in the bargain in the request and so he's going to emery's house and he realizes when he gets in there that they've all been essentially kidnapped and forced into the blood right okay here's where we're gonna revisit what i mentioned earlier Yes. Okay, so the Illyrians, like, fucking hate that the women are in this. The, and, and Cassian yep. and Azrael know this, especially Azrael, because Cassian's, like, trying to, like, push through and be, like, hopeful and has kind of got some blinders on. And I feel like Azrael's got a way more, like, realistic picture of the temperature going on here. So, like, while I get, hey, like, let's prep them for the the blood rite, but, like, maybe should have told them that that's what they were fucking doing. Because I don't really feel like this was a total surprise. 
Like you're if it, like all they had to do was hear that the ladies had passed the quote blood right. Like okay, cool. Fuck you guys. We're gonna prove that women don't belong here. Yeah, I th- I think Cassian might have been a little naive, like you said, in doing this and thinking that if they just. I think he probably presumed that they were not going to want to participate in the blood rite, which is totally fair. fair. And I think he thought that with them not wanting to participate in the blood rite, that would have been enough for the Illyrians to not take offense or decide to take this, you know, as a slight against their culture. But unfortunately, Cassian was wrong. Very. Also, Unfortunately, Emery's one douche canoe cousin is also a douche canoe and wants to be a bigger douche canoe. And so, unfortunately, the grand scheme of things and plans did not work out as originally intended, which is unfortunate. But... I, I I hear what you're saying, but I think it's one of those things where hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, true. Where like if they had known more, if they had known what they know at the end of the the book, they would have handled things slightly differently. Yeah. But yes, and that's where we're going to end this part of the podcast. Yes, because we have now come to part four. Say say this word's name again. I, I think I'm saying this correctly, but I will verify before we record the next episodes that we, so that we will 100% have it according to Audible. Ataraxia, part four. Ataraxia. I can see ataraxia. I'm dyslexic, so I have to make up a lot of pronunciations when I read physical books. Listen, it doesn't even matter if you have dyslexia or not, but like reading fantasy, like the names are fucking difficult. It's not like wild. I'm not saying that that doesn't play a factor, but I'm saying it ain't just you. Like it's difficult in general, you know? A hundred percent. But I think part three might've been my favorite section, though. I love some of the things that are going to come out of um, the final section of the book because part four is the final section of the book but um, any final thoughts on this section? No, I I really really loved it. I mean, like you can probably tell because I feel like we've had the most like discussion in this in this section, I think but I don't know. I just, it really made me grow to love Nesta and and Gwen and Emery and Cassian and Asriel even more. Like, I know that, like, Reese and Feyre have been the focus kind of up until the last couple of books. Like, Frost and Starlight was kind of like a mix of everybody. But this one is so Nesta-focused, and I, I just, I love it. I really do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm not sad to be out of Favorite's head. No. By any Me either. I I will fully admit I did not always love being in Nesta's head because it was triggering yeah. for me. But I loved seeing the growth in Nesta's head, but she is hard to be inside of sometimes. 
But to me, that's a sign of a great author. Yeah. That she makes you feel uncomfortable being in the mind of a character. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. But I also think it gives you kind of like, um, maybe not necessarily hope, but like, because I know I've grown a lot from where, when I was where Nesta is, like a lot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's kind of seeing this as like, you're like, oh, I can just see such big, good, awesome fucking things on your horizon. Like, it's going. Like, keep going. Just, like, don't give up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It gives you that light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. Through the darkness. Thank you. Yes. Uh, much better way to put it. Yes. But yeah. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening. If you want to check out what is coming up on the pod, be sure to give us a follow over on Instagram. It's Mal and Jill Geek Out. Or if you have a suggestion of what we should geek out about next, go shoot us an email over at Jill and Mel Geek Out at gmail.com. Again, my name is Melissa. And I'm Jill. And this has been Mel and Jill Geek Out. Bye. Bye.